0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Okay, open up to Ephesians chapter two. This is a bit hot off the press, so I wanna, I wanna walk through it. In fact, some of my notes are even on my phone. I gotta pull these up. Um, <clears throat> I wanna talk about a combination of a couple things because so many things are burning in my heart right now. I am, um, people come up and give me words during service, you know, things they want to share and that. Like, I, I want them to know that that happens to me like 100 times a week. I get stuff and I think, and here's what, here's what I find out, find out about it. 99% of it is for me. There is a percentage of it where I think this is, this is worthy of mention in a corporate way. So it's just part of the prophetic. If you're a prophetic person, you get a lot of stuff. If you're a normal follower of Jesus and you got an antenna up somewhere, you're going to be tuned into what God is saying. You're going to sense things about people. I mean, yesterday I was, we were with part of our family and we were uh, uh, going to go shopping, I think. We're going to go shopping. And I, I don't go to Walmart, not because I don't like Walmart. Actually, we buy some organic food there. And uh, I go there just for the entertainment of watching people shop, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I felt this... I would call it an urge to go to Walmart, so I said, let's go to Walmart, you know, and everyone's like, eh, you know, and so let's go to Walmart. So we all ended up at Walmart, and, uh, you know, we went through, did, bought whatever we wanted. I just enjoy walking through public places uh, where where I'm not uh, uh, needed in any way, you know. Maybe if there's a cleanup on aisle four or something, maybe I would help out, but I'm not really needed, and uh, it's just, it's I like being around a lot of people without having direct responsibility for them, you know. And uh, sure enough, we go through the um, the checkout line, and a lady, I hear someone behind me says, Pastor Steve. And I turned around, and there's this lady coming to me, and, and tears are in her eyes, and she said, now instantly when I saw her, I knew that's why we went to Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, and we didn't have to really get that card of stuff that we had. You know, we could have left it, but <laughs> It's really just to go, well, I I tell Cindy, I said, you know, when I retire, I'm just going to walk around Home Depot and Walmart and Costco all day and just minister to people. Just see, go walk around like, hey, how you doing? They'll think I work. Maybe Costco will eventually give me one of their little (laughs) smocks or something. I don't know walk around minister. So I, I started ministering this lady and she, she mentioned that her mother had just died yesterday and she was broken. We ministered to her. Cindy went over and really ministered to her powerfully, you know, and I just, my heart was once again, I, you know, being with Todd White this week, just, I've had double Todd White, you know, in three weeks. Like it's, it's kind of ruined my life really. And, yeah. and if you weren't here, you won't understand. But hanging out with Todd, even at the taco place, is an experience, you know, we're all there chatting at the table, and he's over there uh, holding the hands of a waitress, uh, holding the hand of a waitress over a counter, and she's got her head bowed and crying, you know. I mean, last time I was with him, he led the waitress to the Lord, and, and her foot got healed. So, it's the kind of guy you hang out with. It's, it's, it's a contagion, it gets on you and you're like, I want to be that way. I want to. And so it's a constant because it's not who I am. I'm a, I'm a little bit of an introvert. I'm actually, I do speak extrovert, but I'm, I'm mostly introverted. I love being alone. I love being a coffee shop all alone. Again, as long as I have no contact with other people. But the Lord has, has brought me out of that in the same way that he needs to bring some extroverts into learning to hide themselves away and not have to be All the time, sit. (laughs) Bob Hazlett needs to sit. (laughs) Erica, boy, they are like intense. They're intense people, man. They're changing the world. You want more coffee? I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to relate with. Wow, you just, I mean, they are intense. But but they balanced out that other side too. They know how to get into the presence of the Lord and sit with Him. And learn his ways. Here's the deal God has got us on a journey. I wrote a book about it, but he's got us on a journey. And that journey is about our transformation through the knowledge of the Lord. As we get to know him, it shifts our identity, it transforms our identity. It shifts our identity, and it shifts our destiny. That's what repentance is all about. You're going one way. You turn about. I know this is traditional definition of repentance, and is right. You turn. You repent. You, you shift. I mean, there's many different ways you could see that, but it's, you're going in one direction, and now you're going another. You were following basically whatever you thought was best, but God intervenes in that and now has you on a new track to go in another direction. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, and then we'll get to my notes here on my phone also. Remind me if I forget, I'll keep it right here. Keeps turning off, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about longevity. Uh, I've, been, I've been noticing the past month, I don't know if I've gained a few more gray hairs or whatever, but people have come up to me, uh, well, not just here, but in other places, saying the same thing. They're saying, I like the fact that you're still here. It's kind of an unusual thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I like the fact that you you have you keep at it. They're saying things like that. I'm like, Lord,er, were you trying to tell me something? You know. And after about the fifth or sixth time, even even uh, uh, Erica and Bob, they just they they just uh, you know said you're so cute. You know. And I don't know how that fits in with everything, but <laughs> you're so. <laughs> Just how you, you just, you're kind of how you, what you do and that you've been doing this so long, you know, I've been doing this for 45 years this year. So it's a long time, you know? And so I have an opportunity. Like I started out the youngest guy in the room, everywhere I went, I was the youngest guy in the room It I always felt awkward, you know, and now I'm the oldest guy in the room. It's like, well, someday that just kind of flipped. I looked around the room at our staff and I thought, I'm the oldest guy here? When did that happen? Well, it happened a while back, but I just was sleepy to it, you know. And so I was meditating on that. and The Lord said, give me some stuff. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2 because there is something powerful that the Lord's calling us into. And I know we are a very transient culture right now. I mean, people are so antsy. They, I need something different. I need new friends. I need a new spouse. I need a new location. I need a new job. My jobs. A, I mean, we're always antsy. We're always wanting to do something different. There is something to be said about being steadfast. Long term. I know when you're younger, long term is like a couple weekends. As you get older, it stretches out. Well, a year, you know, I've been working for a year now, you know, all right, high five, man, that's great. <laughs> you know, I've been working 10 years now, you know, and, or I've been married for, and you celebrate all that stuff, but you realize it is a long road that goes by very fast. And in that road, you discover things. That if you are attentive to the Spirit of God, outside of God, honestly, I don't know how you handle it. I really don't. There's so much dread, so much difficulty, so much challenge, so much disappointment. Any one thing can knock you. I mean, I've got a lot of friends in my life that were ministers that are not ministers anymore. I mean, there's, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not judgmental about it. I'm like, but by the grace of God, there go I, man, it's. It's, I understand the, re, the, the massive level, a pastor was here this week and I prayed with him about that, the massive level of rejection there is in the pastoral role. I'm not here for any sympathy today. I really don't need it and I wouldn't receive it. I just, I, this is who I am. This is what I chose. This is what I, fought. actually, I didn't even choose it. The Lord chose it and I went with it. And I just woke up 45 years later and I'm still doing it. But while the road is pocked, We sat. I'm going to get to this first. We sat at a table at uh, at Aladdin's. uh, I think it was Friday, and one of my good friends, Ken Roberts, was with me. He was sitting across the table. Some of the speakers were there, and we're just chatting and talking. I brought him along. He's a life coach. He's a former pastor of a great church here in the city. I actually brought him from, from Canada in 1981 to come down and join me in the church that I was at in 1981. He ended up becoming the pastor there. And uh, we've been friends. He was my roommate in college. We've been friends for, for 40, probably 47, 48 years, something like that. And uh, uh, he's from Tennessee. I'm from Cleveland. We're very different people. He's very athletic. I'm me. And, uh, you know, uh, he's tall, I'm sure. We're a month apart in age. Uh, and he and I have been together off and on for, for almost you know, close to 50 years, you know, going, going close to 50 years. And people, and they you know, some of the tables, are, wow, that's, you know, that's a long time, you know. And, and uh, I, I, was, I gave the, the highlights of it, but there was a 10-year period in the middle of it where we didn't speak to one another. 10 years. There was a massive schism that occurred between he and I. And it was, it was deep. It was very difficult. And actually, uh, I ended up going to Canada. And back then, you know, you weren't, there wasn't the connections that there are now, obviously. Uh, and uh, while I was in Canada, there were no cell phones or anything like that for the normal human person. <laughs> you know, some richer people might have had them, but we didn't. And, uh, you know, we're in Canada. It's 1,000 miles away. And for 10 years, the first year I was there, the Lord had me pray for him and a couple of other people who there who had, who had been wounding with, you know. And the Lord set me free from it. And uh, a long story short, because it's really the details are not important right now, but over the years, the Lord hinted that he wanted to do something to the point where it was prophesied over me in December of, of, I'm sorry, April of 96, that I would be coming back to Cleveland. My eyes were on Tampa, by the way. That's where I was going to go, Charlotte or Tampa. And the Lord said, Cleveland. I was like, Cleveland. (laughs) I did my time. Back to Cleveland. And he said, he spoke very clearly through a prophet named James Gall. He said, he said, you're going to Cleveland for restoration and to bring the fire. You know, I forgot the second part of it until about six months ago. I, I focused on restoration because of the wounding that I had here. And uh, so anyway, we were we were sitting at the table, we were telling the whole story, and it was an obvious gap that was there, like this whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 10-year period. And I just, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And, and, you know, it wasn't necessary for anyone to say anything. It was only he and I that really, and Cindy, that really know this dynamic, you know. And he said, well, actually, uh, something happened, and we were separated. I have no ill feeling about it. The emotion is just about the goodness of God. Then when I came back, I knew the restoration was him. And it took a couple years. But the restoration was so strong, so dynamic, so supernatural, it was undeniable. And since then, we were golfing buddies, and, and he and his wife are going with us to Italy in May, which is either going to deepen our relationship, or we're going to have another schism that's going to be... <laughs> a... But the grace that we're in right now, that longevity, years, here's, here's my point, and I'll read the scripture and get to it here, but God wants to take us, this is just my personal testimony, he wants to take you through some things that are painful and difficult. Read Romans, read Hebrews 12 if you don't believe me. I just referred to it a little while ago. Go to Hebrews 12, it'll explain it. The chastening of the Father. You're gonna go through difficult things because you signed up to not be the same person in the future. You signed up to say, I want to be good. I mean, we say these things so flippantly when you're young believers. I want to be like Jesus. Mold me, make me, shape me into your image. You you say these things, and and then you speak in tongues. You don't know what you're saying? You're saying, Lord, come in, crush me, shape me, mold me, make me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, I spoke in tongues. And heaven's like, all right, write that down. So you go through it and you say, you know, and then James says, you know, count it all joy. It's not a mysterious thing. Various trials are going to come into your life. And there's, you know, there's the affliction of the enemy, the devil. You got to rebuke that. But some people don't realize there are difficult times that God actually brings into your life. And biblically, if this is what I wanted to talk about, I could talk about it. But Hebrews 12 is a good place to start. But you go through it. Here's the way. A lot of people, though, truncate that. They cut it off. They make a judgment. They get a root of bitterness. They get anger, frustration, whatever. And then we come up with all these little things in a Christian community, especially, well, I just, you know, I just, I just know that I need to stay away from that person. Does that sound like Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about someone who's abusing you physically or something like that. I mean, you can love them and still stay away, but we do that with everybody now. I don't like what they said. I don't like way they looked I just know that's the Lord speaking to me. I don't need to be with that person. I need to have my peeps all love me and tell me what I want to hear. Well, we need some people that'll tell you what you don't want to hear. Those are friends. And then your relationship can stand in the midst of that. And that goes for Marriage. I think a lot of people, and I'm not, I'm not here to bring any condemnation to anyone, some people in their marriage, and, and maybe they should have just waited a little bit longer. I know that that creates like, oh, I know I should have gone another. No, I'm just saying that, you know, we've learned our lessons. We are where we are right now. This is for your future. But once you engage in a commitment to somebody, be with them. Yes. Joel's a great example of this. Joel, just stand up a minute so we can see who you are. <laughs> Joel, we've been friends for... Uh, 15 years, is that what it is? 15 years. If you want to talk to Joel about it, we've been through ups and downs and sideways and back and inside and out, you know, and all around. And we still love one another. There's, there's, a, there's a bond that cannot be broken. It can be torn, it can be tested, but it will not be broken. Why? Because we have fixated in our hearts that God's called us together, even if he had to move to China or Australia. We'll pick something a little bit better. Australia, somewhere like that we had to move there, there would still be the bond that is there because the hearts are linked, and it's what God's called us to, to link ourselves with some people for a long period of time, decades, a lifetime. Dave Lehman's here in the room. We've been, we've known each other since third grade. grade. Yeah, third grade. (laughs) We went to college together later on, oddly enough. We were in the same church for a while. And now he's here in this church, a part of our choir, you know? I mean, it's just, I mean, the history that we have with all this, it's like, there's something, and, and old people will tell you this. I'm not there yet, but old people will tell you. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, I remember when, back in 1955, you know, when I was going to baker, and blah, blah. You know, you get this whole story. And you're like, oh my gosh, old people, they tell so many stories. Well, they do because they realize something. Something has set in their heart that, that long, longer relationships tend to be stronger, better relationships because they've shaped you along the way and sometimes you may not even realize it. Yeah, yes. Neighborhoods are important. They used to be really important. I mean, sometimes people stay in the same neighborhood two or three generations, particularly if it's an ethnic neighborhood, Italians or Jews or something like that. But man, we're all over now. We're all over and we've lost something that can only be recaptured, I believe, in the spirit. And so Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, says this. Verse 19 says, Paul says, now now, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Right now we have a world full of strangers and foreigners. People that do not know who they are. I mean, this is, uh, 10 years ago, this would have been laughable, but it's not laughable. They do not even know what gender they are. And I have huge compassion for that. I, I really do. I, I know, I've talked with a lot of people that are confused about their gender. And some of it's been fed into them. Some of them, you know, it's, it's the, it, they, they may be on a, uh, a spectrum of sorts that Society or culture judges them a certain way because of how they are or what they are and and because of the misunderstanding there's been rejection that drives them into lifestyles that are not godly. And it confuses them for a lifetime. I have great compassion for that because I've had a lot of mind locks in my head about certain things of who I am or what I would do or what God's called me to or whatever and things that people say over you that get engraved in your mind, you know, and you can't shake them off. And, but somewhere the power of Christ comes in and breaks these things. You are no longer a stranger. You are no longer a foreigner. You know, I still have to, sh- I, I have to shake that off periodically. I was with Bob Jones, and uh, Bob Jones was a great prophetic voice that passed away in 2014. And he came to this church numerous times. And I was privileged to have him at a certain level of friendship. I've been to his house. He's been to my house. Those kinds of things, you know. And, uh, and we, we knew each other, talked, you know, that kind of thing. But he was, he was a little older guy. He'd be like probably late 80s, maybe even 90s right now. But he, I was with him in his house, and, a, and someone was with me. And he prophesied this like it was like a half-hour mystic thing. I didn't even know what he was talking about, but I, I recorded it. And he would look at you periodically. He was the kind of guy who go, you know what I mean? And of course, you You'd end up lying through the whole thing. Like, oh, sure, yeah, Bob. <laughs> yeah. It's like the disciples, you know. They turn to one another all the time. You know what he's talking about? What manner of saying is this? I mean, they, they didn't know, but they all smiled <laughs> at Jesus. That's, We're with you, man. I have no idea what you're saying, but Jesus was baffled at times. You know, in the boat, didn't you understand the multiplication of the bread, the mystery of the bread? I still don't understand that. 2,000 years later, and they're like, oh, are we supposed to or not supposed to? I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> you know. So there's that. There that moment going on with Bob. Bob says, Bob goes. Uh, he's got this real southern voice, you know, for his, from Arkansas, I believe. And he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, there's a mule and he got in a ditch, you know, and actually it was a pit and and uh, uh, in the pit and the farmer. Uh, saw that the mule was down there and he'd get no equipment to get him out, 30 feet down, you know, so they just thought, let's get him out of his misery and they decided to throw dirt into the ditch uh, and eventually it would bury the mule and he would die, you know, that's their mercy. And uh, uh, and the mule down there is, you know, he's a favorite mule, he thinks that the farmer's gonna get him out, the farmer needs me, I don't know how he's gonna get me out, but he's gonna get me out, you know, and all of a sudden dirt starts hitting him in the face he's like, what the heck, what's this farmer doing? What did I do to deserve this? I didn't, I didn't purposely get into this hole. And, uh, and he shook it off. When he shook it off, that dirt became under his hooves. And he stepped up, stomped that right down. And more and more kept coming in, stomped it down, more came in until he was level with the farmer after a half a day of throwing dirt down there. And, and now Bob's telling me this story a little gleam in his eye, you know. He always did things like he thought you knew what he was talking about, and there, it hit me because that f- previous Sunday I used that illustration in my sermon because I'd heard it the week before by Joel Osteen. I thought I like that illustration. Shake it off, step up. Shake it off, step up. That's the Christian life, you know. Shake it off, step up. Maybe we'll practice that in a few minutes. It might even give you some exercise. And I looked at the guy with me, I said, does that sound similar? And he goes, yeah, Steve just preached that last Sunday. He goes, oh, really? I mean, like, you knew that? How'd you know that? We didn't record our messages back then. This is 04, you know. And, uh, and then he goes on with the, with the illustration of what it meant. And, and I, was, I was touched by it because I thought, that is the Christian life. We come in as foreigners, we come in as, as, as strangers, And and I tell you, someone just came up. uh, It was Bob Boigerman came up and told me that I think it was him. He said, you know, that the the Christian life is pretty difficult. There's a lot of opposition, and and you got to come. You have to come to a point, an understanding out of what he said. You have got to come to a point where you know we offer these things always to the Lord. These are my challenges. These are my difficulties, and I, I feel like heaven must say, duh. You want to be conformed in the image of Jesus. This is how it happens. And by the way, he uses those that are around you to help you be conformed in the image of Christ. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another in the case of a marriage. So one woman sharpens one man. Not sure how much the men sharpen the women, but the women definitely sharpen the men up. (laughs) You're not gonna wear that. (laughs) Oh, I thought I was no that 's why I wait for Cindy to go to church before I get dressed. <laughs> it says, therefore, there are no longer strangers and foreigners, but what fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God so we 've gone from being strangers and foreigners to being. Fellow citizens, actually brothers and sisters, in the household of God, verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So you're building your life on Jesus and the 12 disciples. And by the way, you, you tend to, if you watch The Chosen much, you'll tend to find you in one of those disciples. Like I relate really well with Peter, you yeah. I'm erratic at times. You know, I, I say things, I get ideas all the time. Let's do this, let's do that. Let's call fire down from heaven. You know, that in my 20s, I did that regularly. And, and then the fire came on me and I, I stopped doing that. So anyway, they, but they're, <laughs> you know, there's this it, cutting off the edges, sanding off the edges, you know. Uh, it, it's part of the kingdom of God. It's part of, Part of something i 'll never forget in, I was in college, and I was a, I was a rebel in co- I was in a Bible college, and I was a rebel. I came out of a union family. I mean, what do you think I, I had to I was just it was in my blood, you know, and when, when Cindy and I got uh, 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 when we started dating i uh, this is the '70s I, I got my knife out and in one of the dorms I carved in the banister uh, um, her initials. And my initials with a big heart around it. It's very romantic. It's a, it's a Bible school card, love card, you know, Valentine card. And I i was very proud of it. My friends saw it and everything, you know. It's right there, yeah, you know, in the in the girls' dorm in the basement where the post office was. I carved it in there. And, and about a month later, I get a call from the dean of the school. And I thought, Dean, what's he want? I, did I do anything that was good, you know? I was trying to think. Honestly, I thought it was a good thing that well, he's calling me out. Oh, it must be. Maybe he wants me to do something, you know. He heard I have a gift or something, and he wants to, you know, use it in some way. So I go in there, you know, and everyone else was like, oh, man, he doesn't call many people to the office. It's, kind of, it's not good. And I go, I didn't do anything wrong. And that was my thought about everything. And uh, I get in there, and he says, uh, how's, how's the school year for you? And I said, pretty good. We're sitting in front of this big uh, intimidating desk, you know, and uh, he said, uh, and you're doing, you're getting along with everyone? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, great. And he goes, uh, Found a girlfriend yet? I said, Yes, I do. I have a girlfriend. He goes, Oh, is her name Cindy? I said, Yes. I thought he knows my life. It's amazing. <laughs> he said, Oh, good, okay. He's, so he reaches in his desk and I thought, what's he gonna give? He's gonna give me something to give to Cindy. This is I, it's a blessing. He reached in, he pulls out a piece of sandpaper. And he said, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over to Bowie Hall. Go down to the basement where you carved your name and her name in there, and then I remembered I put C.L. and Steve Witt. That was stupid. That was my mistake. <laughs> and so, and he said, uh, oh, "Don't don't do that again." All right, okay. So I went out of there. Of course, all my friends like, "What did he say?" So oh, it's nothing really big, you know. Just so anyway. I went out of there Shh, off hours. It took me like 20 minutes to get it off, you know, but I finally got it off. Well, what is that? That is the shaping of the Lord. Do you know that he's got a desk full of sandpaper? and something we don't even know about. I was, I was ignorant. I was, what, 19, 20 years old? I don't know. I didn't know. I'm nothing against 19, 20 years old. Trust me, you're probably way ahead of where I was, but... But I, I, I needed the sandpaper, I needed an authority, I needed a big desk, I needed someone to say something, I needed someone to arrest me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in some cases, send you to prison, you know. But anyway, yeah, there's a, there's a situation. So, and so you look back over your life at the things. What if you begin to look at your life differently and say, this was the shaping of the Lord, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Even the things that were evil that happened in your life, the Lord did not do, but he used it for your good. He can take, I love what Bill Johnson used to say, I love gambling uh, uh, words, I just, I grew enough up in a family that was big on that, you know, and, and Bill Johnson says, with God you can win with a pair of twos. And I thought, that's really True. really true. What do you got in your hand? Another two, but it's a pair. You know, I mean, it's a sense of yeah, that's the lowest pairing head. but anyway, it's, it's a pair, you know, and you're just like, God can turn something so bad into something glorious, even though you feel like you're a stranger, you feel like a foreigner, and you may feel that most, if not all of your life, I want to tell you, there's something different that God has for you. He wants to establish you on something, change your view of your history, and walk forward with confidence in Jesus Christ, because you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. And then when that becomes revelation, it's huge. It says, for the, Jesus being the cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together. Joel and I are fitted together. You know, and all the other people that are here, sometimes it doesn't feel like, you know, have you ever done that tongue and groove kind of stuff? I mean, I don't know where they do this at the factory. It sometimes doesn't fit, and you got to sand a little piece off and get it, you know, so that it fits. Well, that happens in the church. When that person comes up to you and says something absolutely stupid, and i got some good illustrations that I cannot use. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, Joel. <laughs> Yeah, what if, if you start to view it like, rather than taking it personal, view them as, as brother sandpaper, sister sandpaper. They're just coming up there like, shh, 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 wait, I'm going to help you fit a little better, Shhh, shh, 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 shh. There you go. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for that criticism. I needed that. I was getting a little bit too high on my horse, you know, and. That was very, that doesn't mean that we need to talk to some people like, you know, you need to change the way you communicate with one another. The Bible does say speaking the truth in love, but don't get all bent out of shape. I've, we've had people leave our church in the past because some usher at the door or a greeter at the door did not smile at them. They saw them smile at the person before, didn't smile at them. They may not have even seen them. They might have come in in a crowd, but it's the way people are now. They're hypersensitive about everything. Don't hug me. Why don't you hug me? Why don't you have a mask on? I got a mask on. Why do you have a mask on? Take your mask off. I saw you have a Trump sticker on your car. You didn't vote for him, did you? Biden sticker on your car? That church is down the road. (laughs) Calm down. This isn't a church of Republicans. It's a church of Jesus followers. So quit getting offended. Really? I mean, it's going to ruin your life. You're going to be miserable to the day you die, and someone will offend you on your deathbed. And you'll go into heaven like shaking your head. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me out of that church. And with your luck, the Lord's going to say, I'm sending you back. (laughs) No one prayed for your resurrection, (laughs) but I'm sending you back. Spontaneous resurrection. Live another 10 years in that church. No, Lord, please, no. (laughs) The whole building is being fitted together and grows into a holy temple. What happens when you give, I'm I'm just going to use this as an example because I'm five minutes over longevity in a church is really important. Don't be that charismatic butterfly that floats around while I'm just checking the nectar out over here, a little over there, and I'll see. And actually, I just kind of like going between the four, and I do like boards and I'm going to have a little bit of this here and that there. I'm telling you, that is not, you're not going to get any sandpaper like that. But if you knit together with imperfect people, and they may not even believe exactly what you believe. I'm not sure we all believe exactly what we all believe. We're moving together. We're learning together. We're feeling the sense of the Holy Spirit. We're studying the Word of God. We, can even, we should be able to, even able to debate some things about the Word of God and to sharpen one another in the midst of that, little sword battles, you know, of the Spirit of God moving together. But, you know, in church planting, this is, what, this is what my world's been like. You know, you get these beautiful windows that come into the building that God's building. And all of a sudden, the next day, the windows are gone. Like, what happened? Oh, they were just here for a season. You imagine this roof was only here for a season? Come in today, there's no roof. Yeah, you know, it's on the other church down the road. <laughs> why? Why? Someone offended the roof. It's gone. <laughs> I mean, we, we go through this all the time. You won't believe the things I hear from people, why they move. I'm telling you, you can do that. And actually, I'm in a place in my life right now, I bless people when they leave, even when they're angry. Like, you know, I bless you. We bless you now. I've even given people money that have left. Please, take this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you, you, because someone had a dream about us this week uh, in the church here. And in the dream, there were people in a room, all who've been here over 25 years. And he said, I just feel like that's the, there's something about that. He's sharing this dynamic with me. And I thought, there is something about that. Because there's people that have really been through a lot of stuff. and We can sit together and tell some real stories. In fact, they remind me of things I've long forgot, because I've forgiven everyone about it, and somehow the Lord releases, re- removes that from my thinking. But it's, it's a tough place. It is a difficult dynamic. It's, you know, you come here as a sanctuary and a refuge, and it is that, but it is also an army. It is also a family. It is also a hospital. It is all those things in one in Christ Jesus being built together. And there will be a fence. There will be difficulties. There'll be challenges. That's why we take communion almost every week because we know that you know that if you don't get this thing right, you're gonna die taking communion. Well, it was quiet on that one, wasn't it, Joel? (laughs) You leave your gift at the altar. You go and be reconciled to your brother. That's what's in scripture. And then you come back and give your gift, receive your gift. Communion, anyone who has aught against you you know, you go to them. Let's all stand together if we could. It says, "In whom you're also being built together." Why? What is our ultimate destination? To be a dwelling place in God. I mean, we we may not be pretty. <laughs> you know, if you're able to look into our soul and into our spirit, you go, oh man, a lot of people are just really messed up, including me. It's like, wow, wow, I didn't know he had that attitude. I didn't know that thought. That's terrible, you know? And I mean, one of the biggest things I battle in worship is just flash thoughts coming into my mind about random things. I have to fight it. It's like, get out of the way. I'm trying to focus on this song. That's why I love Jesus focused songs, because it gets me fixed into the Lord. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. We can't just sing songs about ourselves all the time. We focus on Jesus Christ. It's the only thing I can penetrate the voices that are in my head to get through the other side where you connect with Christ and the replenishing and the refreshing of your soul takes place. Let's just wait in the presence of the Lord for a minute. It demands an action on your part. And uh, who's coming up to? Oh, Jay. Okay, good. Jay, let's go after souls for a few minutes here too, but... There's a, um, (laughs) when Moses was in the presence of the Lord on the mountain, the Lord said, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. If I had time, I'd have you take off your shoes, but I know some people have shoes that are strung all up and it's gonna take forever to take them off and put them back on But when you get home, you can do this. Take off your shoes and step out of your shoes and feel the difference. The Lord is telling us that those shoes, you know, represent where we've been, what we've done, all those things, it's taken us to where we are. We take them off. Now we stand vulnerable before God. And in that moment, the holiness of God is gonna come upon you. I encourage you spiritually Take off your shoes. Reject the alien, stranger view that you've had over your own life and step into something that is so beautiful. It's, it's messy, but it's beautiful. Jesus calls it his bride. A church that will be without spot or wrinkle. Right now, there's a lot of spots, a lot of wrinkles. The hot iron's coming down. It's gonna clear those wrinkles out in our heart. The agitator in the midst of the washing machine is going to get those spots out. Agitation, 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 agitation. And before the Lord, we're going to stand. Holy before him. It's what he called us to. He said, be holy as I am holy. I want to invite you into a new place. Go on this journey with us. Do it for a long time. Try a month. Then try a year. Try five years, try 10 years, and you tell me that your life is not being changed. It will change because of the community of the saints that are fitted together divinely by God. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com give.